Did you know Brian Cranston uh, used to work for a dating service? No. He did. And this was while he was a struggling actor in California. You had to record uh, a introduction to the other individuals, the okay. women if you, if you were a man, okay. and the uh, men if you were a woman. And he would usually begin by asking them, like, uh, tell a joke. Can you tell a joke? Uh, because if you just ask them to introduce themselves, they would be really stuffy. Hi, my name is Greg, and I like walks on the beach, and I have a dog. And he'd say, okay, calm down, tell me a joke. And then when they were preparing to tell the joke, he'd hit the button, and he'd record them. And then they'd say, what's next? And he'd say, oh, nothing, you're done. And he just caught a little slice of them being natural. Mm. And that's you being natural? You telling me a story? about It's very meta. <laughs> there's layers sure 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 well, i'm gonna get started okay Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Weekly Cooldown. I am Common Jace, your host for another episode. If you're joining us for the first time, this is, of course, the show where we get to know the gaming news of the week and we get to know our guest. It is Friday, November 22nd. Uh, it's episode 72 and it's uh, kind of a special one. Um, we're going to be we're going to be covering one story and one story only uh, because it's kind of big earth-shattering game news for uh, this week. Uh, there's some other news. Uh, you know, Google Stadia is doing horribly, as we all expected. Um, but there's there's uh, something really big we got to talk about today. I'm sure most of you have heard of it. Uh, but we're going to be offering some some more insight, some more discussion on it. And it's going to be it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. So uh, joining me for this episode is uh, someone very special very near and dear <laughs> um not much of a gamer but does play some games um mostly of the bethesda and valve variety which we will get into in a moment um but please welcome uh daniel daniel say hi I think I should have been held off until episode 73, because 73 is an odd number, and I'm an odd number. Okay. <laughs> That's an uh, even-tempered way of putting yourself. Yeah, well, honesty. Do you, do you not get my joke? No. Because it's 72 and it's even. You well, I know it's an even number. So now you even, have even see, tempered. See, this is the usual banter where he says something and I it goes completely over my head. Dingus. <laughs> um, welcome to the show, Danny. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get started then. Um, it's so, awkward already. No, it's fine. What we're here to talk about is uh, Half Life. Mm -hmm. um, so this Thursday, after 13 years, Valve has finally given fans of the Half-Life series something to chew on. 12 years. Oh, 12. Well, it'll be 13 when it comes out. 
but we'll talk about that in a moment. Technically. <laughs> a VR exclusive game, Half-Life Alex, was revealed in its near entirety on Thursday. And we're just going to discuss why this is essentially the very singular piece of big news this week. Um, this year. Yeah, probably. And um, why it's very important gaming news. Um, so, Daniel, can you kind of start us off? I know you know a lot more about Half-Life than I do. Oh, lordy. Well, I was playing Half-Life when he was practically still in diapers. Not true. Uh, well, it was 1998 when Half-Life came out, and you were how old in Five. 1998? Okay. Practically <laughs> still in diapers. In underoos. Underoos. Uh, suffice it to say. Underoos. Well, uh, I didn't get to Half-Life until December of 2000, but uh, Half-Life was released in November 1998, uh, by a up-and-coming gaming company called Valve, along with Sierra Studios. Mm -hmm. uh, the story was written by a really awesome author named Mark Laidlaw. And uh, the game was a resounding success in the beginning. And I think part of what appealed... Part of it that appealed to me when I started playing the game was that it was incredibly immersive, not just because of its gameplay but because of its story, mm -hmm. uh, for which we should credit Mr. Laidlaw almost entirely. Uh, this was very much his uh, baby. And Laidlaw's story is kind of like a really good Stephen King novel, it, it, the best of the Stephen King novels. It has elements of science fiction, it has elements of horror, and it kind of pulls you in, and it's something you're unable to put down. But the gameplay complemented the story in such a way that it truly felt immersive. Mm -hmm. Um, in any case, building on that success, uh, they released a couple expansion packs in the years that followed, one of them called Opposing Force, uh, where you essentially revisit the events of the first Half-Life game, but as the opposing force, as the army. Uh, and then there was another, uh, game that came out, another expansion pack called Blue Shift, where you uh, essentially portrayed the character, or played as the character, Barney Calhoun, uh, who was likely to appear in Half-Life Alex. He's a, a major secondary character. Um, there were also some other games that were released by Valve uh, in 1999, one of them being Counter-Strike and the other being Team Fortress Classic. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a banner year for them uh, in 1999, for sure. And I caught on to it a little bit uh, later in December of 2000, but I logged in a lot of hours, let me tell you. Uh, Half-Life 2 was released in November 2004. It was announced in May 2003. So they did give people some time in order to prepare <laughs> themselves to be able to play this game. We'll talk about this momentarily. And it was the result of a five-year, $40 million development deal. Mm -hmm. uh, so they put in a huge amount of money and a huge amount of time and played the long game uh, before releasing this. And the reason is because they wanted to debut the game with Steam and with the Source engine. And my oh my, have they gotten a lot of mileage out of both of those. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I had to create a Steam account, I thought, this is really untoward. Why do I have to create some sort of stupid account on some sort of uh, uh, platform in order to play the game? And, oh my, I, I had to buy every future game through this. I it actually, seemed... I remember having to not only make an account on Steam, but this was back when they had the rule, uh, because there were a lot of flamers on the forum, not mm -hmm. forums, but on you know video game reviews and 
going into people's profiles and leaving stupid comments that you actually had to buy a game to get full access to Steam. Oh, lordy. I think I think I must remember... That must was, have forgotten all about that. That was but, awful. <laughs> but we did... I, I remember my sister and I actually stood uh, in line in order to buy this game, and we bought it at, like, midnight and then brought it home, and, my goodness, we were playing until, like, basically midnight the next day. Mm-hmm. And the way we played the game, um, the first Half-Life game when it came out, I was sick. 15 going on 16 so my sister was 10 and we only had one computer and it was around the holidays when we got the computer it was actually built our our computer um by one of my mother's students interestingly and we had to play in hour shifts and my mother had like a timer a kitchen timer that she would set for an hour and when it went off you had to save what you were doing no matter what and get up and go mm-hmm. uh, and we did the same when when this other game came out Not, uh, i think we had separate computers at that time but we were just so integrated into playing this together that we did it that way um a lot of people think the next game that followed in the Half-Life series was Episode 1, Half-Life 2, Episode 1, that is. It wasn't. Uh, the next chapter, as it were, was something called Half-Life Lost Coast. Mm-hmm. That came out in October 2005. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if this was just some sort of level that they had scrapped and decided maybe as an afterthought we'd release it uh, after the original game, but it was available for free, was it not? Yeah, I believe I have a copy of it on my steam still i I, when i first had you know that was one of the first games i had on steam actually it really didn't add anything to the story it was believed it was it came after the the level called sand traps Mm. um i believe and it really didn't contribute anything to the story so it makes sense if they had cut it out and then added it later um as just some kind of giveaway but it may have been something they were putting out to test uh um the effectiveness of this kind of um new way of releasing games because episode one and episode two that followed uh were intended to be released as a quicker way of releasing games Mm -hmm. of releasing these half-life games episode one was released in june 2006 and episode two was released in october 2007 and that certainly is both of those games were were very good obviously it was building toward a a big climax with episode three or what ultimately was going to be uh, half-life three because it kind of grew exponentially uh, as they were developing it into a enormous uh, finale uh, with the series but it seems rather counterintuitive to how their business model uh, has operated since the beginning they prefer to spend many, many, many years putting these games through their paces and developing them before releasing them. And Valve, uh, as my sister says, is not in the business of making games. But when they do make games, they tend to be groundbreaking. Uh, landmark is another word we might use to describe them. Mm-hmm. Uh, game-changing, haha, no pun intended. Um, so it was kind of a counter productive for them to attempt to release uh the next chapter in this series uh in a kind of whole in a in a wholesale manner it was it would be better for them to take the time to develop it so they did yeah and it's also likely that they did so because what we saw from other companies going forward were very 
kind of quickly produced games. And oversaturation. Yeah. And a lot of the crap that was... Am I allowed to swear on this show? Yeah. Okay. EA was putting out a lot of shit (laughs) at that time. And a lot of shit was being put out rather quickly. And their customer uh, service, their support... It wasn't very good. Infamously bad. Correct. Um, Maybe that is the... Recognizing these kind of industry trends, maybe they decided to pump the brakes. But whatever the case is, they did hit the brakes on it. Uh, and there has been a 12-year gap mm-hmm. in between. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there weren't uh, whispers, there weren't rumors swirling around for a number of years. I have a second timeline here that I call the development hell timeline because yeah. Half-Life 3 went through development hell. And interestingly, we're not getting Half-Life 3. Uh, what we are getting is a story that is set between the events of Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2, uh, taking place really just before the events of Half-Life 2. Correct. Um, So we are not getting Half-Life 3, but it is entirely possible that this is going to, and likely that this is going to set up Half-Life 3. Uh, And Alex is likely to be the most pivotal character of the series, certainly of the finale. So in 2008, there was some concept art that was leaked uh, by PC Gamer. Uh, depicting uh, uh, what they were working on for Half-Life 3. And where the story was going is that there was some sort of... uh, I I don't think it's entirely fair to call it a MacGuffin. Uh, A MacGuffin, by the way, is something that the characters in a game are really interested in, but the viewer or the player is not. You don't think my my listeners know that? I don't know if they know that. I don't know your <laughs> listeners. I am so sorry if I have in- insulted you, insulted your intelligence. <laughs> anyway, it may have been a MacGuffin, I don't know, but that is the Borealis, which is a research ship uh, by Aperture Science. Yes. Because remember, in the years... Uh, uh, between when Half-Life 2 was uh, released and when Half-Life 3 was going through development, Portal 2 was released. And Portal, uh, as it turns out, is uh, within the same universe, uh, within the same timeline as the events in the Half-Life games. And in fact, there is a nod to the Borealis in Portal 2, Mm. uh, deep in the, the bowels of the research facility at Aperture Science, there is a port... Uh, where you see, uh, I think it's a, a lifeboat, or not a lifeboat, uh, a life, what do you call the inner tube type things? Uh, a life a, preserver? A li- no, that's not like, you wear that over your chest. Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I, a, a donut, of, an inflatable donut of some kind. I don't know, my <laughs> nautical uh, t- uh, terminology is very feeble. But anyway, it said, you know, Borealis. Mm. It was a tiny little Easter egg, but nevertheless, it was put out there, I think, not just to uh, act as an Easter egg, but probably to tease that, you know, ultimately Half-Life 3 was going to come out, but it didn't. Um, so 2009, there were no news. N- n- there was no news, rather, at all. And and then in 2010, Gabe Newell, um, who is famously kind of mum about talking about games that are in development, yeah. who also has a propensity to troll fans uh, in a kind of petulant way, mm-hmm. uh, Politely petulant. I know those are kind of contradictory terms, but he's not a major troll. Let's let's call him Troll Miner. Uh, he discussed at some sort of gaming event uh, what was going on with Half-Life 3, and he said that he wanted to broaden the emotional palette of the games and genuinely scare the player. One of the biggest uh, or most successful uh, uh, chapters in Half-Life 2 was the... 
uh, section, we don't go to Ravenholm or Ravenholm because it was very frightening. And they repeated the the fear uh, stoking aspect uh, of that level in episodes one and two. And it was so popular, apparently, that there was a failed uh, uh, additional game that they were going to put out. What, what do we call it? Expansions. Um, oh, my God. My, my gaming terminology is so feeble. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> they were put, there was some sort of attempt to release a Return to Ravenholm uh, expansion pack that was ultimately ditched because that's just useless pandering. Fans mm. don't want expansion packs. They want Half-Life 3, damn it. Um so there was obviously this desire to uh, make the games even more of an emotional experience and make them even more terrifying. Hmm. Um, I might interject at this point and talk about... Uh, interject Valve. yourself. Interject, yes. And talk about Valve's management structure. They have a very interesting management structure, and it is uh, the reason why their games are both highly successful, critically acclaimed, and why they don't produce any. Hmm. And the reason is because they have a management-free structure, meaning at any gaming company, you have a gaming production company, you have uh, writers, you have conceptual artists, you have uh, people who do graphics, then you have people who are animators, and then you have people doing working on sort of physics things, and then you have vo- voice actors that are brought in. So it goes through this production phase. And within each of these uh, departments, they have uh, various heads of departments. That is the sound of a cat banging on the door, demanding to be let in. But she's not going no to be kitties. let in. No kitties. No cats. No pussy allowed. Oh. <laughs> we'll edit that out. No, we won't. Oh, we won't? That okay. stays in. Okay. Uh, in, <laughs> in any case, uh, this management-free structure, the kind of mechanics of how it works is... They prefer to have uh, ideas come to them organically. So a writer will come up with some kind of story and then pitch it naturally to the conceptual artist right. and say, what do you think? Do you have any ideas? And then the conceptual artist, you know, take a crack at it. Yeah. And then maybe they don't come up with anything and they say, sorry, I'm just not feeling it at this time. So in a f- film production company, the way this would work is... Uh, you would hire people to work on the film who want to work on the film. But at a gaming production company, it seems that often the not the, the, the staff is static and they're not going anywhere. They're hired because of their talent and their ability rather than their willingness and desire to work on a specific project, which isn't to say no one wanted to work on Half-Life 3. Everybody wants to work on Half-Life 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a promotional video uh, released today by Valve. It's about 22 minutes long. Uh, where they have an interview with a, a couple of Valve employees at their uh, facility, at their headquarters. Everybody wanted to work on Half-Life 3. I believe that is actually said. Right. Um, but but nobody had an idea that took root, because in order for an idea to take root at Valve, the conceptual artist would have had to say, yeah, I've got a lot of great ideas, and then it would have to keep going through the various departments until there was consensus, and there wasn't consensus for years. Mm-hmm. But there was something else. There's, there was a rumor, rumor swirling around for many years that the reason why Half-Life 3 was not being released in the near future, uh, or perhaps any future, was because of a vaporware. 
So a vaporware is a type of technology that does not exist. Yes. And Half-Life 3, the production was stagnant because the type of technology they wanted to use with this particular game, it wasn't that it didn't exist, it's that it wasn't up to snuff yet to tell a story uh, of this caliber. Right. And as it turns out, even though this is hearsay, it, it's kind of speculative, but nevertheless, it, it if you connect, you can connect the yeah. lines here. We'll get the to technology it. they ultimately wanted to go with was virtual reality. And virtual yes. reality has been around since the late 80s, early 90s, somewhere around there. It's only um, recently started improving. But the technology didn't really improve until about three years ago. And coincidentally, three years ago, there was a major shakeup at Valve. Specifically, the writer of Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2, including Episodes 1 and 2, Mark Laidlaw, he left Valve after an 18-year career. I don't know if he was fired. I don't know if he was if he quit or if his contract was simply up and they didn't renew it. But he left. And with him, there were three other writers that left, including uh, uh, Jay, Jay Pinkerton, and Eric Wolpaw. Uh, Pinkerton and Wolpaw are the writers of Portal 2. Uh, although it's worth noting that uh, I think Pinkerton went back. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Wolpaw went back. I can't remember. One of them actually has gone back to the company. Um, but Laidlaw has been out. And when Laidlaw walked out the door... Uh, the following year, he self-published on his website something he called Epistle 3, which is essentially what the French call a Roman clay. A Roman clay is a novel with a key, quite literally, but it's essentially a true story uh, told with a thinly laid satire over it. So instead of the character being named Gordon Freeman, it's something else that sounds phonetically... Gordon Greenman. Something like that. That's, or was it actually that? Well, I don't know. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't remember, but it was something similar to that. And he more or less tells a story of what could have been Half-Life 3, but there are so many satirical elements in it that it's difficult to actually uh, necessarily buy it as where he was going with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been rumors swirling for years that, uh, in the years that followed, that he... Uh, was unhappy with uh, the direction of where these games were going. They weren't happy with the story that he had, or he refused to alter the story that he had, so right. he took off. Um, is there really more I should add? Well, let's kind of pause there, because you've beaten over, you, you've beaten us over I've the head. I've beaten it to death, I think. We, I'm we've sorry, spoken I have about a tendency the, to do this. Well, when you, you start getting, going about the history of stuff, and then it's just like... No, degrees in history, it's blah, 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 occupational blah. hazard. Um, well, it, it kind of leads us into what we know now about Half-Life Alex is what this is called. So what we know so far is that... Half-Life Alex comes out in March 2020, which is very soon for an announcement, mm-hmm. uh, what, four months before it comes uh-huh. out? Uh-huh. Um, it is set between the events of Half-Life and Half-Life 2, so it's like a sort of prequel, like an mm-hmm. in-between prequel. Um, it is around the same length as Half-Life 2, so it's a, Pretty full, long. Pretty it's long. a full game. Definitely. Um, and only 60 bucks to boot. Um, uh, it's yeah. recommended, uh, by developers that you actually play Half-Life 2 Episode 2 at least 
to get the gist of what's going on in this game as well. So they are recommending that you go back and, you know, relive that if you want. For a couple reasons, I think. Well, what do you mean? Well, uh, the obvious reason is because uh, it is a prequel to Half-Life 2. Sure. uh, And also because uh, you will probably have to refresh your memory of characters, places, Mm -hmm. events, names, that kind of thing. Uh, But also that um, you might have to connect the various narrative dots between Half-Life 2 and Half-Life Alex in order to uh, set yourself up for Half-Life 3, which, damn it, better be coming at some (laughs) point in the future. They cannot abandon that story. They can't leave us with no resolution to Gordon Freeman's story. Mm -hmm. But I think there may be another reason, and this is kind of cynical, but it's probably because uh, by setting this up as a sort of prequel to Half-Life 2, it meant that they probably didn't have to do as much... How could I put this delicately? Um, They weren't going into uncharted territory. It was familiar territory. Sure. Uh, so that means you might have to familiarize yourself with where you've been. Sure. Um, that's kind of a cynical opinion well, I have of it. I'm not saying that they were lazy or well, that they weren't, uh, that, that the story is going to be shit. I, I'm implying that, uh, they, they're perhaps not, it's not going to be as original in terms of its story if or I its can, contribution to the If I can offer a... Saga. A, a, a separate yet still cynical viewpoint. Um, as you say, I was fairly young when the first Half-Life came out. Not as young when the second one came out, but still not immersed into it as well as some others might have been. So something I've noticed about uh, when uh, video games try to kind of go back in time and uh, not necessarily redo, but kind of retell or add on to a past iteration of a story. Not having a linear chronology. Rather like a Quentin Tarantino film. Well, not only that, but like when they try to add on to something that's already been released, what they're trying to do, more or less... Stoke nostalgia? Not necessarily stoke nostalgia, but get a younger generation interested in it it as well. Because that means more customers. <laughs> okay. And I think Alex is certainly more a more uh accessible character than Gordon Freeman. Sure. Uh, you might say actually isn't Gordon Freeman more of an accessible character because he is completely and utterly devoid of personality. Uh so you have to put your own into what he might be thinking and doing. Well, actually, they make rather a joke of Gordon Freeman not having any personality within the games. They they famously had to add some sort of uh, uh, dialogue to Half Life Two, uh, where Barney says to him something like, I, "I I see you're putting your MIT education to good use, Gordon," uh, because he is apparently a, a genius scientist and. Something of an incredible warrior, too, to boot, so you would figure a person like that would have some kind of personality, but he's not meant to. He's rather placid. Well, he never speaks. Yeah, I mean, that's what be, I mean. One well, can't be placid or uh, dynamic if they have no... If they never say, I suppose. say, say anything. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I, I was actually really hoping um, when this game came out that... And this might be contrary to what other people were hoping for. I was hoping that the first person character is Alex. Um, I 
I thought that she would be the focal point of the story, but I didn't realize that you would actually be playing as Alex. Mm. Um, because, to be honest, it's not that I'm bored with Gordon Freeman as a character. Uh, it's that he really isn't much of a character. Right. He's and just... she is. And she's a character I like and others like. Um, and it, it gives us kind of a break before we return to uh, Gordon Freeman and... Something silence. Something I pointed out to you kind of off air was that with Valve games, it seems like the more important you are as a central figure to a story, the less you talk. Not in the case of Alex, but in the case of like Half-Life and some other games. Chell in uh, Portal. Portal, correct. Yeah. They're very central to that story and everyone around them speaks, but... They don't. Well, that's in an effort to make the games more immersive. Sure. So that but, you, don't, you don't have a kind of personality. Sure. But I mean, I'd argue that there are some immersive games with characters that do speak. Um, uh, Lara Croft, for sure. example, with Tomb Raider. Um, but to, to that point, uh, with less dynamic, less immersive games, but still fun games like Left 4 Dead, all the characters have voice lines. They speak to one another. They have this kind of banter going on. Maybe we're over this. Maybe the days of uh, uh, voiceless first-person characters are over. However, I would caution Valve caution to never, ever, ever allow Gordon Freeman to speak. Mm. Never allow it to happen. You see him briefly um, in Half-Life Opposing Force, I think. He, You actually do see either his body or his figure or the back of him or something but i to my knowledge you never see his face and you never hear him speak um one of the archetypal uh characters in literature is the man with no name Mm. you're not supposed to know his name unless his name is critical to the outcome of the story and i don't think there's barring any kind of situation where it's essential that gordon actually speaks Mm -hmm. Um, he should rather be like the man with no name, rather like every Clint Eastwood character from those spaghetti westerns, where he just goes on uh, being um, voiceless. Mm-hmm. Um, might might we say? Might I say a couple words about Alex as a character? Sure. And why why I find her so appealing? Well, Alex was developed uh, with the intent of creating a companion for Gordon Freeman. Mm-hmm. And companions in games, as I'm sure many of you uh, doubtlessly believe as well as I do, can be very annoying. Ashley in Resident Evil 4, awful. Well, sometimes they're annoying because they're just weak characters or mm-hmm. they're, they're not performed particularly well. Uh, there's some kind of discord between the voice acting and the actual action. Um, other times it's, oh my god, you have to wait for them to catch up, like Skyrim. Oh my god, having a follower in Skyrim, <laughs> especially in the early days when the game was so buggy. Mm-hmm. Although I'm sure there's someone out there saying it's stale baggy. Um, yeah. Well, but followers it. can be quite annoying. And yeah. when they created this female character, they were apparently cognizant of the fact that some game players, and this is where we're starting to get into potentially hazardous uh, uh, area of conversation here, they were apparently cognizant of the fact that some players, players with penises... White hetero men. Okay, well, players (laughs) with penises would likely find her annoying. 
or could potent the potential for her being annoying because she has a shrill voice or because uh, she's not sexy enough or because she's too sexy or they don't give her anything to do uh, or she has unearned valor or unearned abilities or something. Sure. I, it, it, it was very difficult for them to create a female character um, uh, that, that is a major character. But the resulting character is a wonderful character. She is very attractive but isn't sexually objectified. Uh, she is charming, uh, but she also has uh, some qualities about her that are kind of uh, off-putting. She has a lame, rather lame sense of humor. She tells dad jokes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she is a biracial person, which adds another layer of interest to people out there. Uh, her mother, incidentally, is uh, sort of a forgotten character. She died at the Black Mesa facility, uh, where she was living with her mother and her father, being Eli Vance. Uh, incidentally, the original actor who voiced Eli Vance has since passed, and they have had to recast the character. And even though the actress who portrayed the voice of Alex is still with us, they have decided to recast that uh, uh, character as well, mm -hmm. uh, on account of that she's younger. Well, it, based on the, the sort of timeline of the game, it looks like she's maybe marginally younger. So Yeah, a little bit. Just... Uh, well, in any case, maybe they were hoping for some kind of different performance or the other actress wasn't available. Sure. But as a follower, she's not annoying. They know when to remove her from the game, when it's perhaps she's not useful or she's not contributing anything. She kind of stays out of your way. Uh, you end up solving the majority of the puzzles. She doesn't. Uh, she's good in combat, and but she's uh, not great, so she's not useless either. Um, and she's intelligent, and she's resourceful, and she actually contributes something really big to the story. In fact, I was—I have been thinking for years that she is the key to the entire story, mm -hmm. and she likely is. As, and they certainly, well, they certainly felt confident enough to give her right. a, a, a her own game, right? We'll probably find out a lot more about her than you already spouted. <laughs> G-Man is returning as a character. Oh G-Man is returning. Of course. If G-Man is in the story, then it's significant. Yeah. But is, were they ever going to leave him out of the story? I don't think so. No, he's too vital of a character. I think I certainly hope they have the, the same voice actor for that because, the, in my not-so-humble opinion, the success of the character is uh, purely based on the voice perform the voice acting cases, performance. He absolutely. is so good yeah. because the way he speaks is incredibly unnatural and alien. Sure. And it's just a great performance. Yeah. Um, to your earlier point about the game taking about five years in development, yeah. and you said $40 million? $40 million. That was a lot of money then. Well, in, it's a lot, still a lot of money um, to, to produce any kind of media, and including video games. Um, to that point, though, uh, people have started, uh, playtesters have started tweeting about the game now mm -hmm. that the trailer has been out. Um, and according to a game designer by the name of uh, Thomas, ooh, Fran Tom Francis, Tom Francis says that playtesting has been going on for many years. He said about four and a half years. So that's just playtesting. Um, if this game has taken the entire 12 to 13 years, Four and a half of it just playtesting. This has to be well, enormous. Not necessarily. Skyrim was a very buggy game when it was released. Very buggy. And it the gap of time. Buggy. Well, okay. <laughs> but the gap of time between it and Oblivion was not as uh, great as sure. the gap of time. But I think Valve, not, not to shit on Bethesda, but I think Valve 
if they released a game like this and it happened to be buggy, they would have more egg on their face oh, than yeah. any gaming company ever. Absolutely. It would be because I'm going to say this now. I should have said it at the, when I started my remarks. Um, as as a big uh, admirer of this series, as a lover of this series, as someone who's was kind of obsessed with it, uh, crazy man. And all the years, uh, intervening years between Half Life Two and Half Life Alex, I have believed that any game uh, that is a continuation of this series released by Valve, and there were many times where I lost hope to- completely, but any game released by them that is a continuation of the series that isn't a stellar tour de force game changing industry changing dynamo of a fucking game would be incredibly disappointing absolutely i definitely they had to hit every mark and then some well this is looking to be quite the game so far it has potential yes the, the trailer was certainly thrilling and uh really promising yes and i happen to really like how they resolved the issue of her uh speaking she's likely wearing some kind of headset she normally does anyway mm-hmm. um but uh, the the notion i was concerned about how she would be speaking but it, it and how it would interplay with the with the actual gameplay itself but it looks pretty damn good mm-hmm doesn't look like it's cutscenes or anything. It looks like you're still VR or you're still first person for most of the dialogue. Yeah. Um, on that note, I want to talk about some of the kind of technical parts about what we've learned. Um, like why her arms have vanished. Well, that's part of VR technology. You usually just see hands or like up to maybe like the joints. So it's like you're the invisible man with gloves. Sometimes in well, some so games. That's so clumsy. Why can't we see people's arms? It might be fixed by the they, we might see the whole body People by the who time. are listening are probably thinking, "Who the fuck you got to come on this <laughs> show?" <laughs> well, um so people with Steam Index. Steam Index is Valve's version of the uh, VR headset and it costs $999.99. Something like that, yeah. Yes. Um people with Steam Index will be able to get the game for free, so if you spent the $1,000 already on no, it. No, $999.99. If you've already spent the money on it, then you get... You're saving 60, a penny. You're, six, you're saving $60. And um, a penny. And a penny. Um, but if you don't, the game costs $60. Um, it still works even though you don't have to have Steam Index. Uh, it still works with any other supported VR system. Um that supports steam vr um, okay yada 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 if it wasn't free after dropping a thousand sorry 999 dollars and 99 cents on this system then they would be just a bunch of money grubbing grubbers that's not even a word they would they would be just, well hold on you yada ex- yada yada me and now you're not even getting the words out properly i, I know I would, I would, uh, this is a very cynical belief, but I think if I spend that much money on your blasted system, you should probably comp me the game, is essentially what I'm saying. Okay, but, I mean, consider the fact that they're basic, I mean, the the technology isn't actually out yet, I believe. I, I don't think that Steam Index is, it, it was developed for this. Yes. So, what they're saying is, buy it it's a promotion right i understand it's a promotion but it's a promotion for steam and we're gonna have to really edit this uh but (laughs) why do you keep saying that 
I'm not editing this. You're not editing this portion of it? Why would I? Oh my god, people are going to think I'm such a dick. Uh, Well, anyway, just to to clarify my point, if I were to spend $999.99 on your blasted VR headset, you should comp the game. It should come comp. Sure, but what I'm saying is... Gratis. What I'm saying is, though, is that it's... At least to me, sure they're hyping up the game, but it's hard to tell which part of the game they're hyping up. Are they hyping up Half Life and the story, or are they hyping up? Hey, look at this shiny. Well, VR. good question because when Half Life One was released, it was game changing. It was a landmark game because of the strength of the story yeah. and the depth of the story and how immersive the interplay or interface between the gameplay and the story was. That it sucked you in and people just logged in many, 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 many hundreds of hours playing it and could play it all over again. Right. Um, The success of Half-Life 2 and what made it such a groundbreaking landmark game was that all over again. But building on that success, they released Steam. Yep. And then they released, they they had the Source Engine. And they have milked the Source Engine ever since. It's been a major success. Nothing except the Source Engine for all of this. However, Steam was free and the Source Engine came with the game. And both of these games, Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2, when they were released, you didn't necessarily have to max out your computer. Most people, Mm -hmm. I'll have to look back at those statistics, or someone can leave an angry message saying, you know, here's the actual facts, asshole. Twitter. But, yeah, did people leave tweets on your Twitter account for this? Sometimes. Oh, well, someone leave (laughs) me an angry tweet, please. Uh, saying, actually, you know, I'm, I'm making actually. the... You can't see it, but I'm making the gesture of adjusting, of adjusting eyeglasses. Pushing right them now. up. Yeah, pushing them up at the bridge of the nose. Actually. actually. Uh, only 40% of people could actually play Half-Life 2 when it came out. How many people are going to be able to play Half-Life Alex? That's where I was Nashi. going with this. So the specs for the game are out, more or less. Um, It is looking like, based on most reporting, that you are going to have to uh, upgrade your computer in some way, shape, or form. You're going to have to sell your plasma. You're (laughs) going to have to sell your sperm if you're a male. You're going to have to sell your eggs if you're female. This is certainly the case for your computer. Yeah, person who... I'm putting you on the spot. My computer... (laughs) I've had my computer for about seven years now, and it was maxed out when I got it, and has lasted me that long. When I I buy things, they are meant... They are built to last. That's my philosophy behind it. And it has lasted me. Shout out to Duralast. I can barely play, like, Kingdom Come Deliverance, so that's how long it lasted me for. Right. So, but to that point, though, for example, my computer is probably, like, two or three years old Mm -hmm. by now. I only need to upgrade my graphics card, and add some RAM. So uh, I think the statistic was something like 35% of people have the graphics card alone to be able to play the game. I don't. Um, I have a one gigabyte graphics card. This, Um, you need five. But to that point, the specs are very large on this. So, um, for example, just alone, you'll need 12 gigabytes of RAM, which is bizarre. No one ever needs that much RAM. Yeah. 
Um, and then six gigabytes on your graphics card of video RAM. I'll which take means, their word for it too. I mean, I'm right, not, but I that but dispute what they're. This means that there's so much loading that has to be done, background mm-hmm. loading of all kinds of environments, and that's and, before you've even bought the game. And assuming you don't have the headset, correct? That's before you've even bought the headset. Yeah. So I mean, if you have to upgrade your video card, you're looking at a couple hundred bucks. If you have to upgrade some RAM, you're looking at maybe. 60, 70, maybe a couple hundred, depending yeah. on how much you have. And it's currently November 21st. Uh, 22nd. So ne- 20, 20, 22nd. Okay, it's November 22nd. We record on, <laughs> we're recording on the 21st. How rude. Okay. Yeah, it's not a live show. Um, <laughs> but it'll be November 22nd upon the release of this episode. Ding dong merrily on high. It's going to be Christmas in a month, and you'll be depleted of all your money by New Year's. So somehow you're going to have to come up with the money between the start of the new year assuming, and March. Assuming, assuming you have any left and you're not, you know, up well, to assuming, your eyeballs in debt. Assuming that you're buying, um, like, the highest tier headset. So if we take away the Steam... Well, this is... Well, you're not you're bringing up the headset, but what about the uh, things you're going to have to do? Well, Boy, that's the people what who build that's PCs what are that's, going to... This is going to be a but boom that's what I was. That's what I was saying. If you... Uh, let's say you only have to do like I have to do. You only have to upgrade some, minor tweaks. You have to upgrade some RAM. You have to upgrade the video card. Okay, that costs you. We're a beginning co- with that premise. That costs you maybe a hundred. I'm sorry, I'm thinking about me with my. That costs you maybe three hundred and some change. Uh huh. On top of the uh, headset, which might run you between two and five hundred dollars. So you're looking at about seven to eight hundred dollars altogether. Uh-huh. Um. So yeah, I mean. It, coming up with that kind of money if you're not like very well employed that's absolutely especially between now the holidays as you say and march 2020 four months from now i'll say it they should have waited they should have given us more time or pushed it back a well bit. my returning to what i said about you know the intervening years between uh half-life 2 and half-life alex and how i just kept waiting and every every year that it didn't come out it just kept building my building up my expectations mm-hmm. that the game had to be stellar and a tour de force. But I thought that the most sensible way, I've always thought that the most sensible way of releasing this game is by releasing it on a completely unsuspecting public, just dropping it. And that's and releasing this in March is basically dropping it. Yeah, I mean, even for what it's worth, we only heard about the news itself, the, the fact that it was coming yeah. on Tuesday. I believe Tuesday. Yeah, and so I mean that alone was enough to rattle people to get the internet speaking about it for two days and now probably longer until it releases. There's quite a few people who are probably going to have who are probably returning gifts they've already bought for Christmas <laughs> in order to save a couple bucks. Sorry, I'm poor now. Sorry, mom. I have to get an expensive VR headset <laughs> in order to play Half Life. So, Alex. Danny, what are your feelings overall about? Half-Life Alex. Oh, is this the part where we wrap up? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, no. It's been so much fun. You can't talk for long. Oh, darn it. (laughs) What, you're going to kick me out while you talk? (laughs) No. Get to the point. (laughs) Oh, okay, 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 okay. Overall, based on how they dropped it on an unsuspecting public, and how it is innovative in the sense that we are telling the story through a different character who actually gets to speak and has a personality, Uh, how it is set in a familiar uh, world, this 
uh, um, I don't want to say uh, ap- this apocalyptic. What do you call it? It's not apocalyptic. Post apocalyptic. No, there's a specific. Oh God. Pre-apocalyptic. Again, you're not uh, a dystopian future. A dystopian <laughs> oh, okay. future in a futuristic city. Uh, oh my God! You see, finding that word was so hard. Uh, uh, given that it's going to be familiar and kind of new, and uh, that the the certainly the virtual reality thing, even though yes, it proves there was a vaporware, so far as I'm concerned, um, it, that certainly is incredibly innovative. It's game changing on many different levels. Uh, and I'm extremely excited and encouraged by what it looks like, and I'm happy that it's happened. But I want to say this. Mm. Uh, it seems that the ball didn't get rolling, really, until 2016. Yeah. And 2016 was a very interesting year at Valve, because that is the year that Mark Laidlaw left. Now, maybe I'll leave it with this. Uh, Mark Laidlaw, I would credit, within an... A, a, a subst- maybe the the hero's share, the lion's share of the success of this game series. The story is that fucking good. And Laidlaw leaving in 2016 is just a big question mark for me because he is not credited so far as the writer for Half-Life Alex. Mm. Valve has said that... When it comes to the writing, it is a collaborative effort. It's always been a collaborative effort between the writers and the producers and the animators and the uh, conceptual artists. I don't know how conceptual artists factor into this at all. Uh, The voice actors, etc., etc. And... Uh, Mark Laidlaw, since leaving, uh, according to Valve, has very generously, their words, Mm. uh, donated some of his time to answer their questions about the story. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? And I think that statement of it's a collaborative effort is kind of a way of shitting on Mark Laidlaw. Yeah. Uh, You don't say regarding the quality of the writing of, uh, oh God, what film can I provide here? Marvel. Huh? A Marvel film? A Marvel film? Yeah. You think Marvel films are great because well, of the I, quality of the writing? I think that most Someone's people Someone's saying, would... yeah, Winter Soldier, shut up! <laughs> uh, think... No, I'm thinking of a very famous film. Uh, that, oh, God. What's a really good film that's been released lately where the writing is really that great? Oh, let you know what? Fine. Let's use the Lord of the Rings films as an example. Oh, uh, Peter Jackson, Philip Aboyan's friend, Fran Walsh. Giant nerd. You wouldn't say that the quality of the writing of those films is attributed to Peter, Fran, and Philippa, but plus everybody else who worked on the entire production. Right. Bullshit. They right. wrote the fucking script. It was their effort. It does seem kind of like they're uh, uh, placating. I want to know what happened to Laidlaw, and I want to know how much of this is in the story. Well, And I will not be happy if he was fired or he quit because he just wouldn't make their... Their changes there mm. he wouldn't he wouldn't change the story to satisfy their vision and you know he had an 18 year career with them that yeah. is a long time to right. have him there um i i don't know who's responsible for the writing but i want to know and the fact that i don't know is a question mark that's hanging over my head well maybe in the four months uh when it uh, until it gets here well i will say that 
I will not be playing this game when it comes out because my computer sucks <laughs> and I will have to invest an enormous amount of money upgrading it. Then I will have to buy a VR headset and then I will have to buy the game. So what if I'll I tell you as a, as a fan, of, well, forget about what if and, and, and your computer, okay? How uh, rude. Okay, whatever. Let me just say this. Um, as a diehard fan of this series who has waited this long for this game come out, to come out... Knowing that I have to invest this amount of money to play the game, and knowing that it's going to take me a very long time in order to acquire everything, what distresses me most is not the waiting. I've waited 12 years. I can wait another year or two years or three or four. What distresses me is that I can't participate in the culture of this game and celebrate and revel in it and complain about it with every other fan that every meme that comes out about it, every spoof that Game Society Pimps does on YouTube, I'm not going to understand. And incidentally, I don't want to be spoiled. Right. I don't want to know the outcome of this story. And like any film, after it's been released, well, like any narrative, let's say, after it's been out there for public knowledge for a while, you're going to know. Right. And I don't. I want to be able to play it. Well. So what do I have to do? Spoil myself? Ask Santa Claus. Yeah, Santa Claus is not going to drop that amount of money on little old me. You never know. Have you been a good boy? No. <laughs> okay, so are you going to go uh, play Half-Life again? Will you play it again? Will I play Half-Life 2 again? Knowing what you know? Uh, What do you mean? Like, to relive it, you know. To relive it. Go through it again. To go through it again. Be a 16-year-old boy. Uh, well, well, I have subsequently played Half-Life 1 after Half-Life 2 had been released. And I would likely play Half-Life 2 if it was clear that I was on the verge of being able to play Half-Life 3. Hmm. Not um, Half-Life But I, I think I played it as recently as last year. Um, so it wasn't that long ago. And I also played Portal 2 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, lordy. Valve's biggest fanboy. Valve, send us a PC. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, um, so normally to wrap up the show, I tell people to give us a recommendation for a video game. Do you have one? A recommendation for a video game? Yeah, for a video. Vidya? Are there or, other people out there who game. pronounce it V-I-D-Y-A? Vidya? Vidya. I re- Is that I, a southern thing? I type, it, I type it out as video game sometimes. Do I have a recommendation? It doesn't have to be a video a, game. Uh, video game. A yeah. Board game. Go, go, back, and t- go back and get a, uh Apple Macintosh and play Myst on the uh, Apple Macintosh. <laughs> okay, wait. So, not actually a bad recommendation. Cause what? Is those okay. Those point and click adventure games are actually really fun. That was the first game I played, by the way. Mist. I played Mist. The, Mist was okay. a lot. I was stupid. And the first like game I played was Mist, followed by uh, Carmen San Diego. It was something like oh, it was like Carmen San Diego Carmen around Sandy. the United States yeah, or yeah, something, and, yeah. and it really was a game for kids for you to understand you. It was great to, to gain some knowledge of states, geography. Uh, and then the other game I played was a, a game in the series of. Victor Vector. I don't think people know Victor oh, Vector. Oh, yeah. No, you don't. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it was the vampire haunted mansion type game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then let me see. What was the what was the other one? Yeah, that, I think that was about it. Okay, so the go, first 
three games I had. <laughs> go missed Carmen Sandiego Go back and play very educational oh, video oh, games. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And then there was this game of who killed David something or other. That I don't and know. it was some sort of uh, restaurateur or, 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 or a vineyard owner. I think it was a restaurateur. Uh, and it was like a murder. It was like Law and Order, basically. Dun, dun. And you had to figure out who killed this this individual. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I mean, good good recommendations. Listen, point and click video games like that are a lot of fun. And well, Mist is a puzzle solving game, right? But you it's know, point Lydia, and click. You know, Lydia played Mist. We can't say her name. We can't. Well, I guess we can. No one knows who she is. I guess. Well, people know who she, she is, played but Mist? they're not. They're not going to know her last name. I haven't identified her. Although recently she said uh, she wondered if she could listen to an episode of this. So maybe, maybe at some point she okay. will. Okay. Well, maybe uh, this is her. Maybe this is her. Episode. Which isn't to say that Lydia is a luddite. She is not. If if Lydia mm. is listening, I am not implying that you are luddite. Okay. <laughs> uh, are you sure? N- stop it! <laughs> stop trolling. <laughs> Uh, but yes, she played Mist. That's, I mean, it's a good game, and it's a great recommendation. And I think it's the only video game she played. It's so. a good game, and it's a great recommendation. Um, so thank you for that, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to recommend, if you got, haven't gotten it yet, to get uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. I know... Uh, wait, 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 try that again. Pokemon Sword and Shield? Pokemon Sword and Shield. Pokemon Enunciate, Sword and Shield. man. Enunciate. I speak fast. Um, it's a good game. It's, um, despite not having the, you know, the national decks and all that nonsense, it still holds up as a pretty decent Pokemon game. You didn't pick the Pokemon I liked because no. <laughs> you said it was lame. I don't like it. Okay, whatever. I mean, I thought it was cute, and then I saw the later evolution of it, and I was like, no, thank you. Whatever. It looks like a painting. You cheated! <laughs> um, Daniel, can we find you on the internet? Do we, Do people uh, want Do you want people to find you on the you internet? You can find me on the internet at the Sword Buyer's Guide Forum. One of my other passions is... Uh, Collecting weapons. Replicas of uh, edged weapons and the like. And the I sword, live with this person. The Sword Buyer's Guide uh, exists to help inform you about the industry and the various bankers out there. And, you know, and, so you and then people. there's a form. You can find me there uh, if, if you like swords. Um, where what's, else can you find me? What's your username on there? I'm not telling. Well, why would people find you there? Um... I don't know. Maybe maybe in my writing there, they'll recognize the, the syntax. The grandiose words, words and... Grandiose? I don't use my book. What else? Can, where else can we find you? Uh, Twitter. <laughs> okay. Twitter. What is your Twitter username? Do you like how I said it? No. Twitter. What is your Twitter <laughs> username? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Should I look it up? No, don't! I don't want people to find me on Twitter. I'll I'll say something on your Twitter page, and then people can find me there. Should I just tag you in the post? Yeah, go ahead and tag me. Fine, tag me. Jesus Christ. (laughs) No, see, the thing is, my username is French. It's it's in another language, and I don't like saying it. Huh? Isn't it your name? Well, I I don't know. Oh, boy. We'll find it later. I know things, I just don't know my name. It's okay, honey. Relax. I don't know basic things about myself. It's re- relax. It's okay. Um, as always, you can find me uh, on Twitter as well at Comedies Gaming. You can find the weekly cooldown on its own Twitter page at WK Cooldown. Visit the weekly cooldown Facebook page and the Facebook group. It is there for you. Please use it. 
Uh, visit wkcooldown.com for more news and other episodes. Uh, check out the links in the uh, description, of course. You can find the Humble Bundle for this week there. Um, there won't be an episode next week because it's holiday time and I don't record on holiday time. So suck it up, buttercup. Uh, we have our unconventional Thanksgiving. I don't make turkey. Yeah, I'm making roast pork. We're doing the braised pork and apple cider. The German way, right? With, uh, well, I hate to say this word. German. Spätzle. Or Spätzle. Or Spätzle. I I don't know. It's pronounced by ethnic Germans in this country. Why don't I just make mac and cheese? Mac and cheese? Oh, my God. You never want me to have a bowel movement ever again. Well, why would you not have mac and cheese, at least on Thanksgiving? (sighs) God. Black households, man. Anyway, that's all for the weekly cooldown. I'm Kami Jace. That's Danny. Yeah, and in the words of Representative Eric Swalwell... (laughs) Come on. (laughs) That doesn't belong here. He farted on TV! We'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone.